So I managed a few um, strip clubs as well. Yeah, I thought something like that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So for me, I went in there with a the mindset of I'm going to make amazing money. I'm going to invest that money into a business and experiences. Whereas a lot of girls go in, 18 years old, fresh, you know, oh my God, this is amazing money. And then they can't actually get out because they don't realise that that is not realistic money. The lifestyle, the partying, the, the drinking. CV. What do you put on your CV? That's yeah. Great, so yeah. Salesperson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What oh, is? Thanks. So, with Michelle. Hey. Hello. <laughs> How's it? Good. You timed it well because I was going to start doing live ones and you probably might be more comfortable than me, but the wire, only just the wire, the wire that I need. So what is the wire? It's just an HDMI. Okay. Yes, I think what it is is the Adam X Ninja something. So you had the screen that I could see, like the camera at you and the camera at me, and then I'll just switch each time we talk. So we'll see if I can actually pull it off. Um, but anyways, people listen to the podcast yep. and have no idea why we're here and why we're talking, and it's a commitment of an hour or 40 minutes, depending on how it goes. Sweet. So we'll roll with the flow. Yeah, so how would you summarize what you do? In terms of like businesses you own, companies you work for, things you do for clients. I would say I'm like the connecting person between people. So whether that be business or a client and a person or relationships and partnerships or investors and businesses. So I like being the glue to people. Okay. Yeah. All right. You didn't even <laughs> mention any businesses. This year. Oh, we'll get there. We'll I've got an hour, there. remember? True, <laughs> it's true. a long time. It is a long time. All right, well, well, how about we just unpack it all then? Go way back when. Where were you born? So I was born in Lower Hutt, oh, uh, Wellington. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, pretty humble beginnings, which was cool. So I grew up in an area called Stokes Valley. Um, so I guess what you'd say, without sounding like rude like or disrespectful, like lower decile, um, in Lower Hutt, so when people say Lower Hutt, they're like, oh, Lower Hutt in Wellington. Mm. Um, so I grew up there, amazing childhood, had the best upbringing. I was really, really fortunate to have um, really supportive, caring, loving parents. Um, so that's where I grew up in Wellington, and then I moved to Auckland when I was 21. So on the Lower Decile front, yeah. so they're loving and caring, and you didn't feel like you were without, um, without love. No. Or maybe you are, not publicly. No, absolutely. Well, I wouldn't say from the parental side of things at all. Like, no way. Like, I always knew I was loved. (laughs) Who's the one that ruined it? Oh, just no one fucked me up. I guess just kind of like every relationship, you know, there's always a few people that that break your heart and teach you lessons. And I don't hold resentment anymore. And I don't think anyone should towards past relationships because I look at them like lessons, right? They're all lessons that you have to like learn, and it builds who you are, as so, they say. Do you mean relationships in terms of like friends or bit of mean- both? I think friendships and lovers, yeah. Shall we say, yeah, any type of relationship, Situationships right? Relationships is the one. Oh, I that. <laughs> yeah, plenty of those. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I just think you know, you all evolve and change based off past relationships. I wasn't a perfect person back then. Other people weren't. You learn to grow and become a better person through those. So, did you find it hard to connect at a certain point in your life? I think I'm just like so fiercely independent that for me to be fully involved in a relationship is intimidating to me because I'm like, well, I can do it myself. So, if anything, I'm the complete opposite to dependent. Avoidant? 
yeah attachment style a hundred percent i think so it's really weird it's like i i come across quite and this is obviously from the other person's perspective quite kind of aloof in relationships like i feel emotionally involved and like i'm giving my all but i guess i always still have protector walls up naturally Hmm. just to protect myself i think but i don't know i'm consciously doing it so it's something i'm definitely working on well for the people listening and not knowing what an attachment style is in essence, we learn as we develop how we should interact in relationships. It could be family, friends, or normal, loving situationships. Yeah. Um, and the avoidant tendent have a tendency to need to self-soothe because they didn't have an opportunity to be supported and loved with those emotions, so they had to find a way to do it themselves. Yeah. Which leads to when you're presented with a situation where it's confronting, where there's an opportunity to connect, you might self-sabotage. You might remove yourself. 100%. Yeah. Ah. yeah, for sure. And like I said, most people are like, oh, you know, does that go back to your childhood? And it doesn't when it comes to, like I said, my parental upbringing. If anything, I think that independence and a, a um, detachment came when my mum passed away, which was, how old was I? 23. So I think for me, I'm just like that fear of loss. After that happened, I was like, whoa, like you've got to be independent so you don't feel that pain again. So I've done a lot of kind of, what would you say, not self-reflection, um, observation to yeah. kind of realise where those triggers have come from. So what would you seek out in that sense? So Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, facts, yeah. Well, it's, you know, honestly, like you can do a lot of like self-reflection and things like that, but you're, you're doing it from your own perspective, which then again, how can you assist yourself? Yeah. When you're working on yourself, like you need someone else as well, for yeah, sure. I, I call it like, you know, having a fight with your identical twin. Yeah, it's like it just, you can you can get a little bit of it, but not the deep stuff. Yeah, interesting. Because that, that's the part, like, so there's this concept of homeostasis where you're not meant to use it in a psychological front, but I think it makes sense. Homeostasis is like if there's a change in an equilibrium, Yeah. the equilibrium will change to meet the change. So let's say you have, in chemistry, you have like a low pressure and then you increase the pressure. <laughs> You're very carefully. If it makes noise, it makes noise. You're very carefully putting that down. Well, the last Because I don't want to ruin you talking to you. Yeah, well, me? you know, I ruin myself. <laughs> I don't need your help. Don't worry about it. So, so then when the pressure increases, it takes up less mass. And they find that the rate of resistance is equal to the rate of change. Now, when you bring that into a social construct, let's say you had an alcoholic father that was abusive or violent and he would hit the kids and the mum, but then he quit drinking. Now, mm-hmm. even though it was an unhealthy way to live, even though it wasn't good, the son needed to maintain their equilibrium. So the son developed into a drug dealer and would yeah. bring in their own chaos. So did you find yourself seeking out relationships that would reinforce the unhealthy narrative you had 100 percent. i think naturally because that's just a kind of comfort thing that you do because it's just what you're used to it's not necessarily something that serves you for the for better i think yeah you just without realizing like i said unconsciously seek out similar situations i think what would you seek out drama Excitement. I'm like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, fact, yeah. <laughs> but it's not fun. That's yeah. what I've realized. It's like, yeah, it's all fun and games, but it's not really. 
It's like you need to cut the cycle. Well, what would your advice be to someone that's wanting to have meaningful relationships but keeps gravitating towards the drama? So they meet the nice guy. Yeah. Nice guy. Friend zone. Yeah, friend zone the nice <laughs> guy. Yeah, I stay the fuck away from me. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So how do either, let's say, the nice guy to encourage them to be more perceived as someone that would be attractive or for the girl look or guy looking for the nice guy um, to be open to it or how to f- be aware that you could be seeking out that homeostasis? Good question. I would, well, from my perspective, I feel like just if that person's meant to be for you, whether that be a friend or, or a lover, just be authentically you, you know? Like I think a lot of put a, a lot of people put on a mask to potentially impress people, whether that be a future partner or a, or a friend. Um but how would I answer that correctly? Well, not correctly, but from my view. Hmm. Let me think. Very good. You know, every time someone says good question, they struggle to answer it. Oh, 100%. Because is it I'm a good like, question or is it talk. a bad question? <laughs> <laughs> how can, silent can I eventually moves on? No, no, no. No, you're just more at ease. I'm just trying to like put it into words. So how would I suggest to other people? Yeah, like advice to your younger self that's seeking out drama but actually wants a meaningful connection. Okay. There we go. That's probably better. Well, honestly, I felt like me when I was younger, I just wasn't aware of what I was doing. So it's like how can you tell someone who's not aware of their behavior? Mm. Um, I'd say probably just listen to advice that people give you from the outside. So instead of being a know-it-all, you know, potentially listen to – you know, I think I used to be quite defensive back in the day. Like, I'd be like, no, I'll do what I want. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, that's cool. But, like, is it is it helping you or is it repeating cycles? So I think just taking advice from people that love you, whether that be, like, close friends that are true friends or parents, maybe, like, without getting reactive towards what they're saying. Um, take it on board or at least listen and then try and be a little bit more aware of your actions and behaviours and how it affects you. So what's your advice on becoming more aware? What do you use to become more aware? Honestly, ever since I started getting into meditation, I think, being more present and also just being more considerate to your surroundings and and other people. I think for a a while there I was a bit selfish and just all about me and I didn't really care um, too much about how my actions affected others so much. But I guess you also seek out similar people if you're on that vibrational level, right? So without realizing, you always meet your mirror selves or for sure. Yeah. You're, you're big on the mirror, I suspect, because you talked about shadow work off air. And some people might not know what shadow work is. And I stumbled across it. I told you the story of the, you know, Forbes magazine guy that looked homeless and then he stayed with us. And he was like one of the most influential people under 30 in Israel. It was like big man and an ice cream company that he just randomly got a job in and worked his way up and um the idea of a shadow work and you can explain it better um, maybe where he talks about meditation is the ability to leave the house so you're not consumed or identifying with your thoughts shadow work is cleaning the house and unraveling the things that deep lead clean to deep clean yeah. <laughs> yeah where it hurts when you clean it oh, that's so painful oh yeah wow what would you call shadow work or what do you see shadow work as people are like why are you talking about shadows what the fuck but, yeah it's real funny eh? it's maybe not the right word i think it's kind of just it's the deeper triggers and traumas that you probably don't want to face which is painful 
Mm. So like I was saying, like deep cleaning, I guess it's for me, I love journaling. Like I love journaling my thoughts and I actually like reading back my journaling because it kind of actually shows a lot, a lot of things that you don't realize, whether that just be like a daily entry or things that you're, you know, I always write the positive, but also things that have upset me. And usually I I look back and kind of see there's like usually a, a similar trend in, in those bad moments, mm. and I can kind of um, see from my written work things that I, I need to address. And so I think addressing those issues is, is painful, but so necessary because it's like if you are facing your own self on things that you need to work on, when other influences like people's opinions and things like that come in, you're like, I already know, working on it. Mm. Yeah. So journaling. How do you structure journaling? Like, so. I see journaling as data and an external reminder of certain things going on. And that data can be others. It can be a voice journal. Yep. Personally, I hate writing and reading. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but then I don't really do the journaling enough. I sporadically go on a tear, two weeks of voice journaling, and then not listen to it. We even, me and my, <laughs> my mate, because he's into podcasts as well. Cool. He's like, why don't we just do a public journal, but no one knows it's us? That'd be we'll cool. Post it. That'd be so cool. Yeah, he's done it. <laughs> really? I did it and then deleted it. <laughs> Why? You're like, this is dark. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, I have quite a lot of darkness in me, it would seem. Um, but it, it was just the sustaining it. Um, so every week I have other people give me data as part of like a support group I go to. Cool. Um, but yeah, journaling. What's, in, what's a good way to structure a good journal? Well, I feel like, you know, it's not like Dear Diary... Not at all. Like I feel like for me, if if, if um, what I call like a download or like a thought comes into my head, I, I journal when I, I feel I need to. It's not something that I do every day necessarily because um, I'm terrible at keeping a um, a routine. Too confined. Need to be yeah, Don't trap yeah. me. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just journal whenever I feel like, like I need to do it. And usually that's the right time because it's usually when you need to self-reflect or like be grateful for something or something that I like looking back on. I'm like, oh, my God, that's right. I achieved that. Or that was amazing memory. Like it's more in detail than I can remember. Um, mm. I love looking back at journals to kind of see growth as well. So I use it as a, as a scale or a measure. The thing I notice is when people are unhappy, they tend to do the things that weren't making them happy. Like that was probably mm. a bad way of saying it. But like you start to drift and a journal – would show you that, oh, these times when I didn't do these rituals were the times I weren't happy. Mm-hmm. Weren't happy. And the ones where I was happy, these words are good, I was doing these certain things. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just crumbling for five minutes to try and pull it together. It's all good. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think it would be hard for me to recognize I'm at a point where I need to journal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Like maybe because, you know, obviously that you're a podcast, like caster, you enjoy being on camera. Like you you should just do voice voice memos. I actually hate being on camera, yeah. Really? Yeah, I just want to, yeah, I, I, I would rather, like I don't want anyone to know who I am. I'd, no one can come to my funeral. Like I don't give a fuck. I can just rot in the ground and not care. I think fame, salt water for the thirsty. 100%, I think so. I think, well... It depends. I think if you've got a good purpose behind you and if you want to spread that, but if it's just for your looks, and I think that's another big key thing I want to touch on as well. So many people meet, meet, like, meet me and they're like, oh, you just care about your looks and like you just like put half-naked pictures on your Instagram. And I'm like, 
yeah, that's fair enough. But I also like when I look back when I'm 16, be like, fuck, I was hot. <laughs> that is a great topic. Let me just push this button so we can see. <laughs> so speaking stuff. of half naked, no, just kidding. <laughs> speaking of pr- taking pride in your appearance and then also navigating the balance between self worth. Yeah. So external validation. Yeah. And then also sharing your your beauty or attractiveness to the world out of a celebration of you. How do you differentiate between the validation and the celebration? Okay. Um, I mean, for, for ages when I was obviously younger, like a lot of it was um, how you looked because obviously I, I was brought up with professional dancing and so a lot of that was physicality, mm. like whether that be – my dance eating technique or, you know, the, the way that our body looks because it needs to be a certain form for that sport as such. Um, transitioned into kind of modelling and that was very much, again, physicality, looks, grooming, presentation. Grooming, that's a rough word. Yeah, I don't, No, I don't but you know what I mean, yeah, I as in it's like no one's going to rock up to a shoot with, with no makeup, not, your hair's not done, yeah. like, you know, you're representing a brand. So I guess that whole perception around modelling, everyone's like, oh, she's a model. And so you instantly get this perception in your head of that individual. And it can be very, like, fair enough with a lot of models that I've met as well, my perception of who they are. But a lot of these models are actually way deeper and have a brain as well. But I think just that um, art perspective of a of a career or occupation can put a lot of thought into people's minds about who they are just based on a position or what they do for a living. So, I don't know. I think there's a lot of there's a lot to someone other than just physicality, and I always get judged for that anyway, you know, because I'm always the most extra in the room. I wear fake lashes, rock up full heels, yeah. tight dresses, corporate yeah. meetings. I'm like, hey, everyone's like, mm, you know. Why wasn't I born? Okay. <laughs> so I th- <laughs> Poor girl. Yeah, but then, but then I have a chat. Then I have a chat to people and they're like, oh, my gosh, like you're so not what I expected. Yeah, and I, I think the reality is, you know, I get the, um, especially when I post online, they're like, when well, I'm talking to Greg and he's successful. Me, not so much yet. Um, but they're like, oh, a couple rich white guys talking about how rich they are. And, you know, you get the narrative of, you know, white privilege, this guy, that guy. Yeah. And you get, I think humans are inherently groupist. Maybe not race, racist, but they're born to segregate themselves in a particular Put group. Put you in a little box. Yeah. And if That's you're not who in you are. Box, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But speaking on, like, I don't know so much the modeling side. I dated a girl that was a stripper for a few years. Yeah. And there were incredible women in there. The environment itself was not conducive with a healthy... Absolutely. Of, yeah, healthy view. Yeah, for sure. So I managed a few um, strip clubs as well. Yeah, I thought something like that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So for me, I obviously had had been in that world for a bit. I got into the modelling and then I was like, oh my gosh, he's really good money. I think for me, being in that industry, I went in there with a mindset of I'm going to make amazing money. I'm going to invest that money into a business and experiences. Whereas a lot of girls go in, 18 years old, fresh, you know, oh my God, this is amazing money. And then they can't actually get out because they don't realise that that is not realistic money. The lifestyle, the partying, the, the drinking. CV. What do you put on your CV? That's yeah. Crazy. Salesperson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, is? Facts. Yeah, and it's, it's something that I really don't shy away from if people like ask me about it. They're like, oh, so you used to you used to do this? And I'm like, yeah. If you were honest Absolutely. about it, what you'd put in the CV is therapist. And that. Naked counsellor. Fact, like reality a lot of men would go there for emotional support. Honestly, they do. Yeah, they come in yeah, and I just feel, it's really weird. It's like they just see this this beautiful naked woman and they just feel really really comfortable and talk to you and you're just like, 
can I just get another champagne? <laughs> Thank you so much. Like I find that like someone pretending to like me for the sake of a sale, and in essence, and sometimes genuine like, but I always found that hard to where I could hypnotize myself to go there and believe that they like me as opposed to like what I was enabled to contribute to their lifestyle. For sure. I didn't get that part. But it was cracker. It was fascinating. It was an interesting life. I, I, like similar to you, like I went from like party animal living in a hippie community, dating girls and being an absolute whore for like a good. <laughs> <laughs> and then, good. Yeah. It's something that you've got to kind of experience to realize what do you like? <laughs> yeah. Well, I realized, you know, I used to feel inadequate as a man because of my inability to meet women and connect with them and then filled the, an ego based on my ability to achieve that. And then realize how bad that is to build meaningful connections with people. Mm Because essentially it's teaching you a shallow connection where you're distant and you always had the opportunity for exit. So it's quite hard. It's halfway out the door every time. And you're just just feeding ego. And I think, um, you know, as as a young person, it's like, don't be embarrassed about that either. Like, honestly, it's like, I think it's necessary. Yeah. A little bit, because otherwise, <laughs> how can you do shadow work without, unless like living both both sides? I think as well, like I said. Well, I think there's a balance. Like <clears throat> I feel like there's a certain judgment of a woman's sexuality that is unjustified, and I think as, as men, it's in your best interest to encourage her to be sexually liberated. To be honest, yeah, I think so. But the main, but the other thing though to that is both men having lots of partners and women having lots of partners. I find. Is at the expense of a meaningful connection? It can be. Yeah, and it's not like a... Well, I think it depends on where you're at and at what stage are you at in your life. Like, are you wanting to have a, a stable relationship or are you still finding yourself? So how are you meant to be your full self in a relationship if you're still learning? Well, then then what I would say to that, depending, you know, you I haven't seen too many polyamorous setups that actually work. I find it comes at the expense of trust, but I guess if you're... Um, keeping that trust in the relationship and sharing those experiences together. It's a bit different from going away and seeing other people. Yeah. But I find it's not conducive with connection. Yeah. So if you're not ready, I still would support a short relationship that's exclusive where you're intimately trying to understand them as best you can with the expectation that will end. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with that that perspective. But I also agree that if everything's above board and all parties – are really good at communicating, whether that be feelings and their intentions at all times, I think, as long as no one gets hurt in that process. And I think a lot of people go into this thinking, oh, I'm so risque, like I'm, I'm so taboo, like I want to do this. And then they end up getting hurt because it's it's not something that you should play around with at all because it can actually really upset a lot of people. Well, there's a good TED talk. Um, this lady talks about the hormonal changes when there's an intimate connection. Um, so for men, if they do not build a meaningful foundation before having intercourse, will produce chemicals that aren't conducive to pairing. That's more testosterone as opposed to oxytocin. So they distant themselves. Whereas yeah. women, when they orgasm in an intimate connection, they build pairing chemicals like oxytocin. So you might have seen it in the club or with your female friends, and you can't do generalizations. Everyone's different. But what would tend to happen is the girl could freely get opportunities and the guys that she might attract are the sort of guys that would have multiple girls because, mm-hmm. you know, they're distant and they're comfortable with who they are and they can push the envelope. 
and then they would build a strong emotional bond and then that would break whereas the man might be distant and that can be flipped as well Mm -hmm. and then you see men that are getting friend zone where they fall in love because they haven't had the testosterone production yeah so to speak it's all chemicals right you know yeah and I, but also that, but then, you know, if you look at it on a, on a biological kind of standpoint, like females, I guess, you know, um, guys or, or men species, whether that be humans or animals, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, their job is to spread their seed as such. <laughs> We're being very like, but you know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, I know. It's like, mean. if you look at it on that perspective as well, like, you know, women, that is their role generally to reproduce and, and carry babies and for nine months. So I understand it. Totally. But I think in the, yeah, I think a lot of people get into open relationships and don't actually know what they're signing up for. They just think it's going to be a good time and, you know, but I can do a lot of psychological damage from what I've watched. So Yeah. Well, I mean, I was the psychological damager of sorts. Yeah. I was open, honest, and a bit cold. So they knew exactly what they're getting into, what to expect, and I did exactly what I said I would do. Um, I can change them. Yeah. <laughs> Not for <to> me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they can try. Yeah. And is, yeah. But that is, and I just noticed that, that that would have a negative impact and I'd help my, I'd help myself sleep at night being like, oh, I'm being honest. But in actual fact, because I'm actually quite sensitive and caring as a rule, and but then also cold because I wasn't, I was fearful of connection. So I'd be a confusing individual that would say this. Act very boyfriendy, yeah, and then end it as I said I would. Ooh. <laughs> rough. Yeah, yeah. So and I just so how are you now? Are you still that person, or finding your feet? I I slip into that mode. Essentially, what happened is I stopped. I stopped completely. Being a free spirit. Yeah. Okay. And then I was getting friend zone because I wasn't actually being any sort of anything. I was just being. Um, well, I didn't have a dick, basically. I was just being, like, you know, repressing it. Yeah. And now I'm trying to do the more of the, like, getting to know and just enjoy it without expectation. Cool. And that's gone better. Mm-hmm. And, but then I fell in the bad habit once again recently. But then I'm reminded. It's kind of like giving up an addiction. You fuck up. <laughs> have a relapse. Yeah, have a relapse. And you're back on it again. Essentially. Yeah. Well, like I said, like, you're aware of it. It's not like you're going around hurting people on purpose and you never have but it's just honestly awareness and like when you feel yourself getting back into those habits Mm. just being like whoa 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 we've been here that's cute (laughs) enjoy it but let's move on okay like it's not great i just think of like most people's lives are for short-term pleasure at the expense of fulfillment you know they go out to drink to medicate themselves for a job they hate you know they have unfulfilling relationships and feel as though it's worthwhile because they're afraid of being alone you know, so they stay with a person not good for them out of fear of being alone. Yeah. And then they give themselves this feeling that I have choice, therefore I'm happier, but it's actually at the expense of happiness. So I was saying on the other podcast, there was this, have you heard the study about like two paint, like people could pick a painting and change their mind? No. So there's two groups. One was uh, you pick a painting, can't change your mind, stuck with it. Second group, they could change their mind in three months. And pick whatever painting they wanted. Which one was happier with their choice? The one that picked it that couldn't change your yeah. mind. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing we need to acknowledge in society at the moment is that online dating, the access to opportunities, feel as though it's freedom and liberating. Mm-hmm. But I think it's actually at the expense of happiness. I've. Do you know what? I've never been on a dating app. 
Yeah, well, good for you. Because you're just out there for no, posting your photos. Like, I've never been on a dating app, my bitches. Yeah, I'm a connector. I just know people like well, and that. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. It's just for me. Like, I just like um, – I'm just such a, like, in-person person. Like, yeah. I – like, yeah, this guy's hot, but, like, you can't feel vibe. You can't feel connection. Physicality True. to me, most people are like, oh, well, you must be dating these kind of people when it's like they look like my stuff. And I'm like, actually, no. Like, if you lined all the people that I've seen, you know, in the lined past – all of them. All 200. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, you know, if you lined up yeah. my ex-partners, you'd be like, they look nothing alike. Because I just yeah. feel like for me, I go for, and it sounds so lame, but I actually go for personality, 100%. Are you one of those pansexuals? Oh, no, just I th- guys. Honestly, I no. girls. I'm making assumptions. What do you think? You tell me. I You you experimented. <laughs> like, there's two, yeah, two ways about it. But I course. think you're probably leaning more on the guy side. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But I think for me, yeah, I could just never look at a picture and be like, I want to hook up with this person for the night or try and find a relationship just off a profile picture. It's just so weird to me, the concept. Yeah. You know, someone someone told me, I haven't confirmed it yet, but you have the ability to screen for height on like a Bumble app. So something like 80% of men aren't even being shown to the women because they're under a certain height threshold. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious but also so shallow yeah but you know it's reality I, I think is probably the most common trait that's a spoken do you think about. it's a genetic thing for people maybe it's not necessarily like a i'm not interested in you it's more without women realizing maybe they're looking for a certain gen, you know genetics for their their offspring at some point yeah i think um i think the most conducive way to determine attractiveness is symmetry mm-hmm. and then um there was a book, Billion Wicked Thoughts. So it obsessed, uh, analyzed all people's searches, men and women around sex. Yeah. And found men were interested in bums, boobs, feet, and penises, which is interesting. Cause they're guys. Searching for a certain, yeah, guys. Because they're searching Crazy. for big penis or whatever that, this, that. <laughs> so, I'm not talking about your search history. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for bringing up my search history. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, but but then the interesting thing was that women tended to to be attracted to the physical component and the psychological component, and they were linked. Mm. They could be physically attracted to the person, but not psychologically, and it would close off. Whereas men were just physical. So if they either saw small feet, big bums, or big boobs, they would be attracted. Be the reason being, it's an indicator of estrogen, mm. fertility. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think there's probably a genetic component to attraction as well as a marketing component because you go to all the different countries like if i put a tinder thing in philippines mm. i just go well because i'm a white I guy go off yeah it goes well and the reason is you know it's it has a certain connotation based on the narrative of that culture you know maybe a white person's this and a guy's that and a height blah, blah blah i think the height thing's more of like a a safety slash evolutionary success component Okay. Because le- I think less than 15% of men are over six foot. So when you Is that s- it? Yeah. Crazy. Tough life. Yeah. yeah. If that's your cutoff, maybe that's why you're alone. You <laughs> well, that sucks for me because I'm really tall for a girl. People meet me and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize you were so tall. What, what are you? 5'7". Oh. So that's it. Get out. Yeah, you're I'm gone. 171 centimeters. Yeah. And my brother's 6'8", so I'm sure he's winning in those polls. Yeah. Yep. Top whatever percent. Good yeah. for him. Happy for him. 
<laughs> so I think, what do you think? What do you, do you think there's an evolutionary desire or certain precursors on what people may or may not find as a suitable partner? I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, Hollywood beauty standards that people see, you know, the Kim K's, like tiny waist, fat bum, big boobs, short, yeah. tiny feet. And so they just assume, you know, she's in mainstream media, that must be how I should look. And everyone goes and gets Brazilian butt lifts, which I'm totally not against. Like if that is what is going to make you feel empowered and beautiful as a woman, do it. But I just think, you know, obviously the increase of it is dependent on the sex symbol of the century. Yeah. So for me, um, yeah, I think a lot of it comes from mainstream media. It's interesting because there's, um, there was this lady beauty, the standard of beauty in Peru or something in like 1800 or something. And there's a photo of her and she was like a rugby player. She was 110 kilos, looked like a guy. In essence, like had a beard, I think. No, really. Yeah. Or then there's other cultures where they they have an elongated neck and they have the um, brass things to the rings, it. yeah, the rings. Yeah. Or um, where they have a certain mutilation of the face, or they um they have a lip that's filled with a plug. So I, I think I think it's a lot of it's marketing. To yeah. Be well, it's kind of well, who makes these rules up anyway. Do you point. know what I mean? It's like those guys are evil. Like I, I, I look at all different walks of people, you know, whether that be someone that's like fully tatted or a short girl that's got a fat bum and big boobs or like a really skinny tall woman. I'm like, and I can honestly say, because I don't take people on face value, I can honestly say I'll be like, wow, you're stunning in your own way. Like I'm not ever comparing. And so I think, especially with women, and that's why I love being in the industry that I'm in, like working with models, strippers, professional dancers, <clears throat> is like, Acknowledging someone else's beauty isn't taking away from your own. And I think that's a huge thing that I tried to push, especially like managing the strip clubs and things like that. You know, they'd be like, oh, I don't look like this girl. She's going to make more money than me. And I feel like as a woman managing a strip club, it's really important to make sure you're empowering um, or any, any, any business where you're working with other women, empower other women, because it's like if you are doing that, they're more comfortable to do that as well and feel more comfortable in their skin. Yeah. Sounds like you've got I love a, it. a particular narrative, not so much narrative, but a, a, a mission. Mm. I sent you um the poem. I don't know if you watched it. No, I didn't. Was Where it? did you send that to me? Uh, you asked me what my quote was, what I said around purpose or whatever. Yeah. And then I sent a link, um, and it's actually about that. Did it come through? I'm pretty Maybe sure I didn't. Then. Check. Yeah. I feel so rude. But no. no, I don't think I got a link. I was almost going to cancel the podcast. Whatever. Ignored me. Um. But it was exactly around there. So I came across a lady. Um, she had just come out of a, a clinic, eating disorder clinic, and she had been raped twice um, on two different occasions, once when she was 12, one when she was older. And then... Oh, no. Yes, you did see the link. It's coming back now. It's coming uh, back. And you said it. Um, she was a mo- one of the most empowering, um, inspirational females that you've spoken to. She's quite young, isn't she? Yeah, she's she's dedicated her life to helping yes. psychologists. No, no, no. to watch it. Um, and yeah, it was just talking about the disparity between a person's sense of self and what is being forced down their throat in terms of beauty standards. So if there was a young woman or old, wise, mm-hmm. maybe not old, that has, has that feeling of self-worth where it's, they feel insecure in comparison to the standards that are out there, mm-hmm. what would your advice be to find that? Peace. Peace in themselves. Yeah. 
around physicality or everything? Whatever one you can answer, <laughs> or both. So you see all these well, pretty people in magazines, and you feel, or Instagram probably, and yep. you're like, "What's wrong with me?" Mm-hmm. I think it all comes down to self worth, whether that be physicality or anything else because you know especially with social media everyone compares themselves as well as their lives you know Mm. everyone compares oh I'm not good enough because I'm not doing this and I don't look like that and I don't have the perfect beach bikini body or things like that so it always comes down to to self-worth a hundred percent so it's like that's why I always make sure that every morning when I wake up I always try and do gratefulness so I just remember you know everyone is on their own life path everyone has their own skill sets that they were given whether that be absolutely beautiful or a beautiful mind. So you just have to not compare and just remember that everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. Not even weaknesses. I I just think when it comes to self-worth, it's important. It's it's really important to self-reflect again. Like I said, I just keep coming back to self-awareness and reflection. It's like don't ever compare yourself. Here's an example. We had a few drinks and I was sitting there just, just being me, just like, you know, just living um, and she was just like, Michelle, can I just ask, why am I not you? And I was just like, what do you mean? She's like, you know, I just wish I was just tall and long brunette hair and just nice tan skin and just, you know, you just don't give a fuck. And I'm like, yeah, that is me. But like, <laughs> I see the same in you. You're this beautiful, blonde, blue eyed beauty who dances for a living, you know, professional dancer. Um, what do you not see in yourself that you see in me? She like got really upset, so I was like, "All right, it's never that in public. Come on, babe." Like took her to the <laughs> toilet, fixed her makeup, and I was just like, "Like we're all here to achieve different things, and it comes the same." Like I, if you compare, you're going to be deeply disappointed because there's always a prettier person, there's always a smarter person, there's always a a richer person. So I think. Um, if you don't have self-worth and if you don't make sure that you're grateful for what you bring, whether that be, um, you, you just have to embrace yourself 100%. And if you don't do that, you're never going to be happy. Like you can, like here's an example. I got, I used to get my lips done maybe, how long ago? Maybe like 25 to 26, I used to get my lips done and I was like, oh, I feel so sexy. And then everyone's just like, holy, like, what are you doing? Like, why'd you get that done? And it's like, well, I just wanted to experiment. Luckily, fillers don't last forever. So it's not a big drama to to remove them or they just naturally dissolve. But it's just something that I wanted to do for myself, as well as also at this point, you know, Kylie Jenner was getting her fillers done. And I was like, oh, I want to be like that too. And then I'm just like, oh, I can just embrace fully who I am. Wouldn't stop getting Botox, 100%. Can age gracefully, thank you. But <laughs> but um, I think just it's always self-worth um, hmm. for sure. And don't compare because I just said that to her. I was like, you know, I could say the same thing about you. I wish I was blonde, white, and blue-eyed, but I'm not, so. No point forcing it. Yeah, just you accept that, you, you know. You see that cup trend with Kylie Jenner where she's like, you know, I don't need to do anything to my lips. I just suck on a cup. Oh, I remember that. It was, um, yeah, it was like those little... Shot glasses or whatever. I just look on a cup. <laughs> Meanwhile, these injections. Yeah. I think if you're going to do that stuff, cool, but like just admit it. Yeah. Just yeah. so that you're not setting fake beauty standards. Yeah, and you're all serious there, so I should contribute to that. Um, For me, self-worth isn't so much just... I, I think there's important things you said there is in terms of gratitude, so keeping your life in perspective. Like, you know, is it that important if the glass makes a noise? You know what I mean? Keep life yep. in perspective. 
And I then, just didn't want to interrupt in case you're, talk- <laughs> in case you're talking. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't care. The guy just spilled a whole thing of water and we kept talking while we were trying to dodge the water. So we were okay. Um, and then the other thing was around the comparison thing, um, mm. you know, because what does Elon Musk say? It's like happiness is expectation minus reality. So it's like if you've got a big expectation about life and envy and comparison and um, you're not meeting that, Mm-hmm. you feel unhappy but i think in terms of self-worth i think it's actually about reparenting yourself yeah so you've had it's not necessarily about competency it's not about not comparing yourself it's more about expressing the emotion that you're afraid to share and it being accepted and then you relearning mm-hmm. okay that part of me is has worth yep um, <clears throat> I guess that's yourself, you know, reparenting to me would be awareness because if you're not aware, how are you meant to reparent yourself if you're not aware of it first? Yeah, not true. But I totally agree. Totally agree. I think my, our wording's just different. <laughs> you got you got sales skills there. That's called an objection handle. Really? Yeah. Oh, I completely understand where you're coming from, but this is why you go, this Wrong. is why you can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> say but, everything before is That's but, cute, but. Yeah, yeah, nice idea, but this is why you're wrong. <laughs> it's okay. Love it. Yeah, good stuff. What's the dream? What, why are you doing all this? In goal? Yeah. What is it? Bo- okay. Botox Empire? What is it? Oh, absolutely not. No way. Um, My purpose. <sighs> Honestly, I feel like I, I absolutely love people and I love reading energy and I feel like that's why I understand people. I'm the type of person, all my friends and family say, they're just like, you're just so out of it, I just can't explain what it is. So when I meet people um, without realising, I kind of just pick up on like all their flaws, all their strengths, and it's hard to explain why. So for me, if I could use those skill sets um, – I would love to be able to be a like a counselor or intu- an, an intuitive healer. Um, so why not do it? To some point, I feel like I've still got a lot of um, healing to do for myself as well. I know that's a never-ending journey, but I don't so want to go in there. No, I don't think so. Mm. Absolutely not. Good I've news, still you'll got. Never be ready. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I do that anyway with a lot of my friends and family. Yeah, they always, I'm always a go-to. Go hit me with that bullshit. I'm always the person that people go to for help, whether that be um Are you doing it guidance. now, yes or no? Yes. Fuck off. That, like, I am. I believe you. I believe yeah. you that in your life you gravitate towards people and you're helping them in a meaningful way and you're using your current vehicles as a way to help people. Yep. Deep down, but. Yeah, I just feel it. No, I just feel like I need to still work on myself a little bit more. Like I want to heal. I want to go a little bit deeper for myself. What would your advice be if you're hearing a young woman tell you how, I want to do this thing. I don't feel ready because, you know, I'm still doing work on myself. I don't have all the answers. What would your advice be to her? (laughs) I'd ask her to journal or write down the reasons why she doesn't feel like she's competent right now. But then I'd also just say, jump off the cliff and find your find your wings on the way down, gal. Had a feeling you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, sweet, so uh, <laughs> off you go. <laughs> and I get it. And there, it- I just think I don't know. I think um, if it was say for a if it was for a, a sales role, that that's cool. But I just feel like when you're dealing with people's psychological makeup and mental stuff, I think it's like if you don't have the proper groundwork, and also for myself because I'm such a giver emotionally and, and energy wise, I wouldn't want to be giving 
any type of um, wrong direction when it comes to people's minds. You know, that that is pretty deep stuff and I just would want to make sure that I've created enough boundaries for myself as well to protect myself because I'm such an empath. Like if, yeah. if my friend's crying, I'm like, ah, like mm. I'm probably crying with them, you know. And so I think for me when it comes to not being ready, I think it's more I need to teach myself how to protect myself otherwise I'll be going home and just be an absolute wreck with everybody's um issues like I take it on too much so I think I I I would need to learn uh that safety net for myself (laughs) (laughs) so an interesting thing about humans (laughs) is when you're presented with fear or a change of identity yeah there tends to be, like the homeostasis, that there's certain protections. Like? Rationalizations. Like, you're 100% right. You're delving into people's minds. Mm. You could hurt them. You're 100% right, I suspect, in terms of you describing yourself an empath and carrying the emotions of that person. Because mm-hmm. I judge that's part of why you're very good at what you do. Because mm. you can understand mm-hmm. where people are coming from. Drop the biscuit. Oh, I can't think now. <laughs> you're throwing me but- off. <laughs> Um, in terms of solutions, you partner with someone that knows what they're doing. You have a network of support and clearly defined boundaries professionally, mm-hmm. a set time, a set limit of clients, and also just like a psychologist, which most of them don't have it worked out. They're wounded healers, in my experience. 100%. Yeah. So I suspect with your journaling process that there's underlying emotional belief system that can find all the justifications in the world but I, I have no doubt that you would protect yourself I suspect you might overdo it and overinvest, but I, I have no doubt that you would your intent and you're willing to risk management the potential cost of your delving with their brain yeah will put you in a position where you're not putting others at risk and if they are at risk they're at risk regardless it's true. But anyways, and I'm speaking to myself, actually. Yeah, no, it's cool. I, um, I'm, I'm talking to an amazing person who's come on um, to Immersive. His name's Mike Sweet, and he um, is a people and culture manager. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, that would be such an amazing role. He's like, you would be – he this, his words, and I, I love it. He was like, you would be, like, better than this than I would be. And I'm like, what? Like I, I, like, I asked him basically to mentor me. I was like, I would love to learn off you. Because I just, yeah, I, like I said, it, it makes me happy um, seeing how you can work around everybody's different personalities and the, who they are as a human being to for them to fully flourish. And so I've, I've seen him do it and he does it with our team and he's really well known in the industry. And um, yeah, that's something that I'd love to do as well. Anything to around people. Yeah, well, I believe it. And I, I think part of what leads to great EQ is repetition. And that repetition tends to stem from trauma because in, in essence, they're analyzing other people's actions and understanding why they had said action. Yeah. And and because you can trust them or you're under your ability to try and trust them, it puts you in a position where you're protected. Hence why. And I, I feel like we're not too dissimilar. No, we're real similar. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, I wonder what it's going to be like in person, you know, because over the... Um you know, our Skype or Google Meet or whatever. Yeah. I was like, this guy's awesome. Like, I got off and I felt, like, good. Yeah, same Whereas, Yeah, like, I got off and I was like, 
I feel really happy, which is nice because um, usually it's quite not draining, but you know, it's really rare to find someone with the same kind of vibe. Yeah, it was cool. No, yeah, as I said to you on the thing, there's something remarkable about you, and um, you mentioned compliments aren't the easiest. No, oh, I hate them. That's why I'm like <laughs> silence, cricket, cricket. Yeah, hay bale. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just know. If I wrote down seven years ago. I want to build a business centered around emotional success. And I kept, essentially, I knew it was here, and I kept going that way, away mm. from it, and slightly closer to it, and keep finding reasons not to go closer to it for the exact same things you're saying. Yeah. I don't feel like I can do it. Well, if I'm going to fuck up their brain, uh, you yeah. know, had, I'm not ready yet. <clears throat> yeah. So get it. Yeah. Get it. Well, it's something, like I said, like I, um, it's something that I'm very curious about. I went to a networking event. Uh, what day was it? Wednesday night, I'm pretty sure. And I spoke to Mike about him mentoring me. I think I just, I want to harness those skill sets that I find natural natural, and then put it more into a process with someone that's trained and done it before. So someone just to kind of be like, you can come this way and try this way because this is what I've done. But just like a, someone that's kind of yeah, done that sense. path and then... I'll be yeah. running. I'll be, I'll be sprinting. Yeah, 20 years. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. No, I'm the type of person. Like, talk to all my friends, work colleagues. Like Michelle, yeah. I was like the first one to be like, woo, let's go. Executor. Yeah. Well, I actually recently just interviewed a whole lot of psychologists because I wanted to work out how I would do it and came to the realization the two things, well, there's three things. One, the 70% of the counseling session is your relationship and you just being a positive influence. Mm-hmm. The other thing is motivational interviewing, and that's a way to ask a line of questionings that leads to a result where they feel in control of their life, and it's an implementable thing you can do quickly Mm -hmm. because then it's scalable and you can charge. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is acceptance and commitment therapy, where essentially it's just accepting the components of yourself that, you know, the shadows, and it's hard to acknowledge them and to fix them, but you just accept them, and you make a commitment to work towards your values. Mm Mm-hmm. So you define what your values, what you stand for, and what you want in life, and that's it. Accept, commit, and then you're just an accountability partner. Yep. And that's a framework that's scalable. And the reason I am started this marketing company is because I want to reach as many people as possible. Yeah. So I'm making money while learning how to reach more people. Yes. While helping other businesses reach more people, while also giving me access to CEOs that can pay more. And I could do the mentoring with them, emotional mentoring. They'll know more than me about business. Yeah. So I'll just listen. Um, And then using the money and the brand as a means to give information, accessible information to people and try and build communities that can support each other. Cool. So that's the plan. That's awesome. And it's an avoidant plan. That's really cool. I mean, I think what you're basically saying is you want to help others and you, you know, obviously you're going to help others, but you're also making sure that they're helping you as well. Well, that's the way it should always be, I think, with values and purpose. Like if you're out here trying to live your best life and you don't care about anybody else, that may do well for so long, but it's not a long-term thing. It's like this always comes down to, like like you said, like intentions. Like if your intentions are good, those people always do really well because you're providing opportunities for others. And if you have an amazing network, you know, and then you connect them and then they'll connect you, it's, you know, it's all, we're all one, to be honest. Too much meditation. You've gone along the different plane. You're connected with the collective consciousness. You lost <laughs> touch. No, I, 
it's a selfish, 100% a selfish pursuit. Mm. And the reason it's selfish is I'm helping me. What I'm doing is finding little me's, whether it's one week ago, where I just developed a little bit to a certain level where I can give advice. Mm. And that's all. I'm medicating myself through them. And I think that's the most meaningful thing you can ever do from a purpose standpoint is to help yourself, to help a version of yourself in the world. But that comes down to, you know, if, if you're helping yourself, you know, your, your um, what would you say, your self-work will affect other people because <clears throat> you're so sick. It's selfish though. I'm doing it for selfish reasons. Why? It just so happens those selfish reasons help people. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. don't believe you. Yeah. You're going to help me with that's the butt? Cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cute. That's cute, yeah, yeah, All right, cool. Um, <clears throat> okay, hypothetically speaking, you start your business today. Yep. And I click to hypnotize you today. Um, what would it look like and how do you reach as many people as you can or who do you want to reach and how do you want to reach them? With your imaginary business. When it business, comes to marketing. No, no, you're, a, uh, you're essentially a perfectly complete individual which knows, will never happen. Yeah, which yeah. will never happen. Yeah. Because I'm making the scenario up. Yeah. And you already have all the skills <clears throat> to help people. What does the business look like? I don't know. It's really weird. Like, I feel like if I was to do this, I wouldn't want to make money off it. Okay. So, no money. What's the, yeah. what's the process? What's the process? I feel like I, I'm, like I said to you, I'm the type of person I just meet people at the right time. So if I wasn't doing it for money and if I felt like I could assist this person or if, it, or if I if I felt connected to them that they needed needed that and if I could – everything comes down to life experiences, right? Like I'm not going to go and help someone that I've never experienced potentially what they've gone through. But if I have, I would help assist. Like it's something that I'd probably want to do retirement when I don't need or want for anything. And who would you enjoy helping the most? I know this is uncomfortable. That's oh. why I'm enjoying asking it. I think women. I'd love yeah, to help good. women the Old, most. Older, younger. All range. Than you. All range. Yeah. So it's not them. Do they have attributes as women? Are they career driven? Are they mothers? Are they mothers and career driven? Are they It's hard for me because I'm not a mother. So it's like I wouldn't be so able no to. Yeah, good. At, at this point right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I just you wouldn't be able niche. to empathize. I, I feel like if it was right now, it would be career people or people that are wanting to start that journey of finding their actual purpose in life right now mm. but maybe one day when I am a mom maybe you know I'll start to learn those skill sets and learn and be able to then assist those kind of people as well but so isn't it interesting <clears throat> that the part that you chose that mm. you enjoy the most yep. is helping you at a particular point Buzzy, no. So I'm saying that's the purpose. That's you want to find the purpose. Well, that's what you said to me. That's why when you said that that quote, like, um, well, not even a quote, that saying, and I was like, text you after on Instagram. Mm. I was like, oh my god, what was that? Because that's amazing. That like resonated so well. Okay. And so yeah, I hear you, and I heard you, and I'm like, that's why it's so. I think, but imagine if everyone did that. It would be amazing. Yeah. Well, that's part of I think what I'm. Yeah, because I was testing that. I was just asking everyone. Here's a hypothesis. What do you think? It keeps being true, true, true so far. A few hundred people so far have asked. Mm. So then the challenge becomes helping them identify what version of themselves they're helping because they might not be aware that's what it is. Mm. The second piece is how do you assess opportunities? And that's where values come in. Okay. So you're thinking about going a certain opportunity 
and oh, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? For me, I have three simple values, which are responsibility, empathy, and, and authenticity. So I look at this role. Is it a culture that embodies those things? Does it give me the freedom to be those things? And then you use that to assess relationships, friendships, and also career opportunities. And then it becomes a matter of tactical ways to achieve that outcome, mm. which now I'm understanding branding and messaging. And then I've done the sales, so I can, you know, I'm not a particularly good salesman, but I'm a really good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it helps them communicate in a way that gets the outcome that they want. So that could be an offering. Yeah, for sure. Um, when uh, so, so my current boss, Jerome, so he said exactly those three points as well, but in a, in a sense of helping me upskill my talent agency. But it makes sense. It should go across all boards, right? Whether that be personal, professional, Everything. relationships, like you were saying. So I don't want to be around anyone that doesn't take responsibility. If they're five minutes late, they're late. Yeah. If they're five minutes early, they're early. Yep. You know, the reality is an agreement is an agreement. Yep. I'm not upset about it. I'm not tied up about it, but I want to surround myself with people that take accountability yeah. and take responsibility. I, I fuck up often. I'd like to think I do well at that. Mm. And then empathy. If you don't, if you're not compassionate to the struggles of another human being and you vilify them because you haven't addressed your own inner things, yeah. why would I want to be around that? And authenticity. I don't trust them because i got trust issues. I tend to have trust issues, hence why the EQ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, we've done an hour. Sweet. So, uh, closing remarks for these women, yeah, that or anyone, but these people that you want to help and you're not ready, and they might reach out to you even though you're not ready. No, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> yeah, but what would you want them to hear, or a realization, or a takeaway? And then also, how do they find you? Because you got these other businesses. <clears throat> closing remarks. I feel like I've just said them all. I don't yeah. know. Like okay. scroll through, She's babes. Crumbling at the end. Yeah, a little bit. I'm also ADHD, so I'm like, I need to move around. This this bloody room's like 27 degrees. I've got a fucking jacket yeah, on. True. I don't know. Do I have any closing remarks? Okay, what about, how about this? You know how you write journals and reflect on them? Yep. What's your message to yourself so you can listen back to this later? In terms of Ooh, it's a stretch. Actually, do I have it here? Let me see if I've got a little goodie one that oh, I wrote yeah. down last night, actually. Okay. We can share that. What do you think? Wow, she's going to read it, a journal. Can we Dear call diary. it a diary so it's more interesting? Dear diary. So this is a diary entry from the Michelle Henderson. Oh, cut it out. Dancing extraordinaire. <laughs> ADHD. Crypto endorser. <laughs> the giggle. Yeah. Okay, where is a goodie? Where did I write it? Is it there? Should I just distract the people? While Stand. You're... No, here we go. Stand for something, or you will fall. So true. And then another one, to achieve what others won't, you have to do what others don't. On that note, thank you for coming. No worries. Thank you for having me.